pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Moscone Centre. I'm Steve Curran. I'm Anne Scantlebury. And this is One Life Left versus Gama Sutra with our co-presenter, Mike Fredrickson. And also we're joined by... Frank Zavalli from Gama Sutra. You're representing Gama Sutra. I am. I'm apparently fighting you. Repping. <laughs> uh, repping. So far we've had, we've had Chris Graft repping Gama, and we've also had Christian Nutt earlier. Uh-huh. He got a bit aggressive. He did. Staring me out across the table. Oh, he does that. Just aggressive with his eyes, though. Nothing physical. And did, we talk- did, did he do that thing? Oh, did he do that thing? He took oh. his top off. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Anyway, we're here in the uh, centre again. It's it's clearing out. Lectures just finished. People flooding past us. We've got an amazing panel. Uh, we're going to be interviewing them, finding out what they're doing at GDC, asking them really, really interesting, intelligent questions. Michael, once more, will be describing them so you, listeners, can see with your ears. First up, we've got two guys who approached us yesterday. Who are you? <laughs> so I'm Brian Corrigan. And I'm Seth Louis. And what is it you do? <laughs> so we're from uh, a company called Mad Glory Interactive, and we're a creative agency here in the U.S. And we make uh, web communities and core sort of web tech for uh, game publishers. So all the boring bits like single sign-on things and stores and, uh, and that sort of thing. But sometimes fun bits too, like uh, stats portals and item databases and all that kind of cool stuff. What is fun about a stats portal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if you're one of those geeks who likes stats. Uh, for me, we get to process every every little bit about uh, that, that comes out of your gameplay. So, what's a what's a good stat? Oh, simple things: kill death ratios, how much time in game, how often you play, when you play, who you play with, all kinds of neat stuff. I, I, no, I would imagine that a lot of people listening don't know what a stats portal actually means can, yes. you, can you describe that that's a good question i've been doing it for so long i forget that uh stats portals so for instance we wrote the original guitar 
we wrote uh, pieces of Call of Duty Five dot com. Well, so it's it's sort of a publicly facing portal of statistics from uh, games that report data, and you can somewhere. look right through the portal, yes. and into the face of the statistics. Go through to the other side, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so if you've ever played Call of Duty and you've and you've logged on to their amazingly awesome website, uh, there's a lot of stats that come out of the game. There. Have you have you pitched a crossover to Valve? Like uh, a portal stats portal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like uh, Inception portal stats for for portal. <laughs> yeah. So specifically, you were talking to us about a project uh, when we were off air yesterday. Yeah, basically, um, one weekend we were kind of bored and we can't really uh, talk about a lot of the stuff that we do. So we decided to make this um, this community called Now Play Us, and it's basically a scheduling uh, web app. Um, that allows users and gamers to uh, schedule meetups with with other uh, gamers because you know everybody's busy, so they might as well just uh, meet up and have a good time. It's basically like Meetup.com for gamers. Um, it's the best way to. That's that's funny because earlier we pitched Grinder for hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is possibly a delicate question. Yeah. Uh, do you two have mothers? <laughs> um, I don't think I do. No? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, okay, how do you... What does your mom think you do? Oh, God. Oh, uh, draw pictures, basically. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, stick figures, maybe, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, my, my Which mother- of your communities would your mom be most comfortable in? Uh, dance, dance, revolution back in the day. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't have a mom. We've established this. Come on. Oh, right. I have no mother. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. She'll be very disappointed stick, if she gets this. Stick to continuity here. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, um, what, so you you have sort of publisher partners that, that you that you build these products with. Yes. Uh, people who publish games. What kind of requests have you gotten that uh, maybe you can't fulfill that might have been a little crazy? Oh man. I think they'd be typically pretty boring, but usually there's there's so much data that comes out of a game that people want to do really really crazy things with it. Um, every publisher wants to have a, a, well, a lot of game developers want to have feeds every time you play a game and every time you do anything in a game pop up on Twitter, and we sort of have to explain to them why we can't imagine a more boring thing to do with your data. So so part of part of what you do then is sort of the the design of what the yep. user experiences. It's not just like a a. a, a a portal for them to read data off of. You're also sort of doing a user experience thing, right? Oh yeah, the whole thing. So we'll go in and they'll say, "Here's here's reams of data," and we'll say, "Here's a you know what we should do with it. Here's cool stuff to put online." Split it into smaller reams. Split <laughs> smaller reams. Yeah, yeah. We have cool. to poke holes in the big ones. Yeah. What's the best thing that's happened to you at GDC so far? Uh, besides well, this show. Besides this show. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't have to point that out. Yes, you shouldn't have to. That this should is, have been this is absolutely the best thing that's happened okay. so far. Um, but no, I mean the, the opportunity to kind of show off our little our little toy project uh, is pretty cool, and we're hoping people hop on that. But we got to go backstage at, at a few of the uh, publishers and see what's coming up over the next year. And there's very <gasps> wait a cool second. Stuff. So one of our tasks for this week. <laughs> one, no, of our, one of our tasks. Can't say anything. No, no, no. Don't. No, hear us out. You don't have to say anything. Hear us out. One of our tasks for this week is to break an embargo. Uh, now, if you write an embargoed thing down and slip it across the table to, say, me, and I read it out, then you wouldn't be the ones breaking the embargo. It would be us. N- no one has to know you've done it either. Could just be a coincidence. That's what they're doing next year. Oh! <laughs> Steve, I don't know. This is, this is big. <laughs> 
Really? What, like all of them are doing that? All of them. Everyone. 2014, that's what's going on in 2014. There's a lot of stats you could generate. <laughs> with that. A lot of things pop up. Paralyzed horses walk. Listening to One Life Left. This is Gama Sutra live at GDC, and the the table we're at is just littered with business cards on thick, healthy cardstock. It's because we've been doing business. No cheap <laughs> cards, and we we're, don't deal with cheap people or cheap business. We don't even have cheap listeners. No. And you know how we know that, Michael? Because something happened earlier. <laughs> What's that? Something spectacular happened. I was away when this happened. Which is good because Paul... It may not have happened if I was here. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have. Explain. So I was wandering across the show floor. A man ran up, ran up to me and said, Are you Anne Scantlebury? And I said, Yes. And he said, I really love the radio show. Here's a bag of presents. And gave me a bag of presents. Wait, what, what, the, the actual word out of his mouth was presents. <laughs> no, he said swag. Oh. oh. Sorry. Sorry, I don't like using the word now, swag, the though. I don't think is, I've got that. When, okay. when I'm at a game trade show, conference, if someone hands me a bag of swag, traditionally, I assume that's a T-shirt. Yeah, I, yeah. Are there best. stickers? At best, it's a T-shirt. I have a feeling that that's not what it was this time. Well, well. <laughs> so I was very excited to get this bag of swag presents. Um... I took it back to the desk. I was like, oh, that's so nice. Man gave me a bag. I could definitely see T-shirts in there. I was expecting a bag full of T-shirts. Took out the T-shirts to uncover three hip flasks and a bottle of vodka. I was like, not only does this man like the show, he knows the show. <laughs> where, where, where are these presents? Oh, they're just behind me. Uh, oh we, got told, we got told last year that we weren't allowed to drink while we were doing the show here. Your guest can, right? Unless, wait, unless, <laughs> unless, there's, there's, a, there's an exception. Unless we were in a roped-off area. Who's got rope? We did spend the rest of the show trying to find some rope. Now, if that guy really knew what was up, 
He would have included rope in that. <laughs> no, but he included hip flasks, and nobody notices you drinking from a hip flask. Listeners, you may have heard another voice while Anne was telling that story, and it's Steve Gaynor joining us on One Life Left. Hey, everybody. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hey. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Steve? I would love to. Thanks. Uh, I, um... I'm working on a game called Gone Home, and it was nominated in the narrative category in the IGF. Uh, it's Thursday. I don't have an IGF award with me. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Cartlife, oh. which won Boo, all of the things, IGF. Uh, was won, won the narrative award, and I couldn't be happier for Richard Hoffman. And made a joke awesome about indeed. the IGF awards. Huh? <laughs> based, on, based on you not winning. Yeah. Uh, IGF? The, IGF. IDGAF. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, Anne Scantlebury. <laughs> it's because I'm so upset for you. Oh, really? Tell us about Gone well, Home. That's sweet. Uh, it's a it's a it's a first person exploration game. It's just about exploring a house to find the story of the people who lived there. Um, like me and the team that uh, that that are making the game, we worked on the Bioshock franchise together, and we wanted to do an indie thing and do a small team thing, and so we kind of boiled down what we found most interesting about those games, which is like player directed exploration, finding story in the environment and made that what the game is about. Um, yeah. So, um, this might surprise some of you guys, but but growing up playing video games as I did, I often fantasized about uh, creating games and a lot of them really kind of off-the-wall dumb ideas when I was hmm. young. Yeah, interesting, right? I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but uh, one of We've my... We've been doing that for the last three shows. All right. <laughs> yeah. One of my ideas that eventually I grew out of was uh, a, a mystery game about a guy who finds a, an unmarked cassette tape and uh, wants to know... Uh, wants to f- sort of figure out the mystery of who this person is and it, becomes, it kind of becomes this weird adventure. Now, the last trailer you put out uh, seems to have ripped me off. Uh, because uh, Did you not see the credit? At the end it was dedicated to Frank Cifaldi. 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 Yeah, we've only seen it in print. Yeah. Uh, the the <laughs> The genius whose idea we stole. I must. I, I must have cut off the YouTube video before the end. Yeah, okay. we'll watch it again d- with disgust. Okay, we, okay. just slam your laptop <laughs> lid shut. There, there would be no game without you, Frank. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. I just wanted acknowledgement on the air. And your your adolescent self, whose notebook we stole. <laughs> so it's a narrative-led game. It is. Uh, tell us about the advantages of telling a story through video games rather than through other types of media, like um, book or <laughs> film. Well, um, any other sound? One advantage Voice. is that you don't need to know how to write a book or make a film uh, to tell a story, uh, which those are things that we don't have. Um, Making games is so much easier. <laughs> um, for us, also, it means that we can tell a story without having any people uh, in the game on screen, so that's nice. Uh, basically, I'm saying it's cheap to make uh, to tell a story the way we are, because uh, the game, yeah, it doesn't have any characters in it, it doesn't have any combat in it, it doesn't have any like puzzles in it. It's just about the environment and finding out the story through the environment, um, which is nice, because it's kind of a different way to tell a story than you could I think in like a film for instance and it does have a house does it not oh it's very much about oh, a house oh it's got a house so you so you had to pick a house and I suspect wait pick a house yeah we, I mean, we, we must is that how you put a house in a video game <laughs> yeah. you just go find one that house <laughs> shit That's we did it house. wrong man you're supposed you to go location scout. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suspect you had to pick a style of house to yes. create, and it had to accommodate all the things that people needed to find. That is true. Um, how did you do that without coming up with some monstrosity of a Frankenstein house with 
rooms added on to it. Let's let's not assume it's not that. All right. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we, we we decided to make kind of like a, um, uh, 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 this sort of Victorian manor that's like out in the woods, so it's kind of sprawling. It doesn't, it's not, you know, in a city where it has to be this really tightly constrained space, which allows us to, to have like long winding hallways with rooms off of them that you can kind of find your way through and, and find all the stuff in um, in kind of a more structured way because if we did make it in like a modern house like the houses we probably grew up in a lot of us they were built in like the 70s or the 80s and, and they have these really open plan constructions where like the kitchen flows into the dining room and the living room and you could just see the whole mystery at once exactly um <laughs> okay so, i get it so this is what happened there's totally <laughs> a reason that yeah we went with an old weird creepy house also to make the game seem kind of creepy and weird so now uh, more be- so than your actual parents house which probably seems pretty normal well so you've put a lot of thought into into sort of uh, telling a narrative through an interactive game uh yeah yeah i'm sure you have uh sort of on a, <laughs> too on a, much on, on a quick high level just tell us one of the the sort of tricks that you can do telling a story in a game that you couldn't do in any other medium gosh um golly golly golly, golly. that's a hard question for on the spot just, yeah just i know go um just, the, well the thing that the thing that is is the most interesting to us is how little story you actually have to put into the game for people to like fill in the blanks um, because like we don't have to have a lot of prose or show like a long scene to establish a relationship between two characters but like we had a, somebody who was playing at the IGF booth today and for instance she it, it's about a family like a mom and a dad and a teenage daughter are, like the main characters in the story and somebody gone through and they went in the library and they found this book and looked at it and it was it's a book called uh, Stranger Under My Roof Understanding your teen you know and they're like that says so much about how the parents feel about the kid and like etc that it's just like this one artifact establishes an enormous amount that that might take kind of more dialogue or 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 prose in another medium so how, how much of it do you think is uh is you in the game and how much do you hope for it to be the player um well we we do put the player into a role in the game you know we say that you are the older daughter of the family and you've been away for a year uh backpacking around europe um and it's in the 90s so long distance phone calls cost a lot and you haven't really been keeping up with what's been happening at home and you come back and you're kind of discovering what happened while you were gone so like it's it's more it's it's halfway between you being yourself that's present in the game and exploring like you would but also being in this role where you have a connection to like the people and the and the place as opposed to just a stranger who's kind of like home invading <laughs> this is not a home invasion sim basically uh, the game's more about like trying to find out what happened to people that you know the character like cares about have you been influenced by other people's video game work recently yeah definitely um i mean we the 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 team you know working on bioshock stuff we also um were really influenced by the games that led to that like you know system shock and thief and and deus ex and um more recently games like dear esther you know and 30 flights of loving and proteus and uh these games that are exploring first person experiences that don't have you know traditional kind of stuff like shooting and, and getting loot and leveling up um, have really been inspirational to us. Are you happy about the video game industry at the moment? I, I really am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where, where it depends on, on where, you, where you're sitting, right? But I feel like like this, this GDC, has it feels like to me, and you've been more of them than I have, you tell me, but it seems like, like 
more people are like paying attention to indies and and oh, like just yeah. the awards how how much independently developed games showed up i i feel like yeah i mean like the indie the indie sort of stuff just kind of spilled into the the mainstream game half of the show in, yeah in a, in a really interesting way i mean not that you know you'd call journey which was sony funded an indie game but it's sort of that independent spirit of yeah. it and and that just swept everything if yeah. it if it wasn't that it was ftl which was truly an independent game yeah and, and i feel like that's that's not like inherently good because like yay indies right period you know it, it's mostly just that like more interesting, different, smaller things are being done and like being recognized, and, and people are making money doing it. That's and yeah, I think it, that's key. like that's chicken and egg, right? Because yeah. more people are being more experimental because it's been shown you can actually like feed yourself by doing that, and and that's really really cool. Yeah, talking of uh, being able to feed oneself by making video <laughs> games, it would be remiss of us uh, as blossoming game designers not to ask for your input on the project we've been working on over the last few days. I can't wait to hear about it. So we uh, have noted that there is a theme running through GDC this year, and that is hugging. People are (laughs) hugging each other a lot. There's a lot of hugging going on. such a welcoming environment. People are so happy to see their friends. Disease vectors. (laughs) Just just wait. Interesting. Just wait. It's going to be worse than any prior year. But we've decided that we want to make a game about hugging. Celebrating hugging. Celebrating hugging. And disease. Am I getting ahead of... Ahead well, of no, this is interesting because we haven't thought about post-hug, really. It's all been about the hug. Okay, so what are the mechanics of the hug? Good question. What are the mechanics of <laughs> the hug? <laughs> Go. Um, I was at the uh, Indie Game Summit, uh, first day of it, Anna Kipnis from Double Fine talked about um, the Peter Molyneux jam. There was a game about that. Did yep. you see it? Mm. So the mechanics were you play as a bear that needs to hug people to continue to live, but if you hug too hard, they die a horrible death. We hate that game. We do. We don't like it. <laughs> it's not, Honestly, I think that game is why, why the hugi- hugging genre hasn't taken off. Or the hooking genre. Hu- anything. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe you have a hook hand. And you have to go around trying to hug. This, people. this is turning into like an Arrested Development thing. <laughs> We're a little bit jealous Similar. of the uh, of, of the first hugging game because we thought we'd made an intellectual breakthrough. So my my genre. feedback would be um, disease. The, the, first the, of all. Well, the, the killing through hugging thing has been done, but maybe the killing through disease from hugging is like new territory. Okay, so so uh, Steve Gainer uh, thinks that all games should be about killing. <laughs> I'm. I will go on record and say the only reason to play a video game is so you can kill. Right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Who are we? We're One Life Left. What are we doing? A radio show. How's it going? Mm. There were some people on the stairs during that interview. It really was. It was very distracting. So I have my face to the giant staircase uh, behind our guests. Uh, It's a giant yellow staircase. And there was a lot of predominantly men laying across the stairs and across the banners. There are men here? I know, right? Regular listeners to One Life Left vs. Sutra will remember from this time yesterday, a woman in the hall took a photo of those stairs. Maybe she was location scouting. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so we're back. Uh, we have new guests. Thank goodness. Uh, we are now joined by Matt Bock. Hello. Hello. You've been on the show before. Mm-hmm. You know how this goes. I do. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm not bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm excellent. Are you having a nice GDC? Yeah, it's, it's quite great. Uh, what have you been up to today? Um, today I went to the Unconference for a while. Oh, can you explain a little bit about the Unconference? The Unconference was a lot of people just talking about whatever they wanted to for like five, ten minutes at a time uh, outside in, uh, in the park behind the conference center. That sounds nice. Uh, We've kind of been at that all week. Yeah. Uh, and what were people talking about? What kind of things? All sorts of things. Uh, how, how their childhood should inspire them to make games uh, on a scale of socially unconscious to, to uh, serious game. How socially conscious should games be? And how socially conscious should games be? They should be socially conscious, but not serious games. Ah, mm. wow, that is quite a, a striking balance. Perhaps our giant staircase game can strike just the right balance. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know there was a game here. Yeah, low and location scouting. And <laughs> oh, I see. You hug up and down, yeah. says. <laughs> uh, Matt, sorry, I didn't uh, ask where you're from. Please introduce oh, yourselves to the listeners. I'm Matt Bach. I'm from, from Providence, Rhode Island. Matt, come on. You know the question. <laughs> I'm Matt Bach. I work for Harmonix Music Systems. And you do very well. I do pretty well. Good. Are, are you into music? A little bit. A little, okay. What about systems? Mostly systems. Okay. But I, I, I am actually the only person here from Harmonix Music Systems. Everyone else uh, on their badge had said Harmonix Music System. Which sounds like a, a means of like writing some like guaranteed pop song hit. It's like we use the harmonics music <laughs> to get this Flowrider song. I know that great. sounds like a great thing to if you could make that. It's like then the ten I, steps. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like a like a series of training videos. Yeah, like the first one's free, but you got to pay for the rest. Yeah. First, you're going. Let's try to make a song with the harmonics music system right now. So first, we'll need a topic. I guess hugging is... Hugging and or stairs. I mean, that's all I can think about anymore. (laughs) Now we're going to need a melody. We're all looking at the music guy right now. You guys can't see us, but... Give me, like, two bars. Two bars? Yeah. Two bars about, about not lyrics. No, just just a melody. Follow the system, (laughs) Okay, and loop it. Well, I didn't even really. I will, oh. Well, you need to listen if no, you want to do the system. Do the loop it. I'm going to loop it. Matt, loop it. Do 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 do. I'm joining. Do 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 do. All right, now Steve. Do do do. Say you are now experiencing the harmonics music system. Do 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 do. You are now experiencing the harmonics music system. You love this song. You are now experiencing the harmonics music system. You want to pay us a lot of your income what happened for this You are now experiencing. <laughs> all all I heard was the subliminal messages and, and none of the lyrics. That was that was brilliant. Great work, everybody. Well, thanks for coming. <laughs> that that reminds me of the arcade. The I did. Have you guys been to the no, arcade? No, we didn't get to go. How was it? Yesterday. I think we're going to go after the show, actually. Oh, excellent. That's an excellent thing to do. Can you uh, tell us how... Spoil it for us. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the arcade is, was like the inverse of the expo floor. Like the expo floor, everything is like throwing itself at you uh, and just is on the attack. And the arcade 
It's just full of comfortable places to sit and strange sort of immersive visu visual audio experiences. There was a tabletop game that I didn't quite understand. There was a tent with PlayStation Move controllers all hanging from the ceiling of the tent. Um, my, my friend Robin had a piece there called Sound Self, um, which is, is quite good, but it's, it, you're just chanting for hours at a time and just strange image changes over time hours you're, you're chanting it's, it's intended to be at least an hour long wow being from the east coast uh did you feel comfortable with it being pronounced arcade yes yeah yes. I, I i felt very welcomed they did very that good. for you yeah, I, yeah. i'm glad I, there, there was a fireplace simulator that was quite nice <laughs> and then there was another game where you just sat down and it counted how long you were sitting down that's stressful. It, it was like a, a Buddha that just like like hovered up and down, and you were supposed to like sit on this board. It was like a Zen board. You just sat there. It counted up, and I think like maybe you like there was a counter time that would be enlightenment. And I was hoping that the sort of like pixel art of the Buddha at that point in time would just turn into Nyancat, and Nyancat's song would blast really loud. But I, no one ever seemed to beat it. I don't know if it's meant to be beaten. But. Maybe we'll do that later. What are you hoping to do later, Matt? Do you mean like tonight or before his death? Just between now and the point where we all die, what do you want to achieve? <laughs> I, I was hoping to go back to the arcade. Okay, good. Wow. Sounds good. Wow. I think that's, I, I that's think the that's most a... glowing endorsement for anything I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I had initially had plans to start a family and yeah. potentially learn to cook, yeah. but really now I think I'm just going to head back to the arcade and then hang it up. And beat that exactly. sitting down game. Yeah. <laughs> For the rest of my life. <laughs> my grandfather has been beating the sitting down game for about 30 years. Yeah? Yeah. He's really good at it. So, I'm... Music system. <laughs> and Eric's here. Eric, how you doing? Where am I and what have I stumbled into? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You'll see. Listeners, this is Eric Zimmerman. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So, what are you doing here? What the hell is your deal, Eric? I, I, I'm, my voice is trying to recover. Uh, uh, your listeners can note that we're recording this about four-fifths of the way through the Game Developers Conference and... Nights of shouting at uh, parties and uh, you, speaking you go at and conferences. Sh- just shout outside of the parties. <laughs> no, just uh, shouting at parties. I, I actually, I just shout all the time, even when I'm by myself. What have you been shouting about? Um, well, you know, there are few events like the Game Developers Conference that really bring the entire industry together. I mean, that the amazing thing about the GDC is that you really have the alpha and omega 
of the games world in terms of the people that are really creating games. You have people working on the biggest, most commercial, large-budget AAA games. You have the tiny indie artsy developers and everyone in between, people doing educational games and serious games, technology people, people doing visual design, audio design, game design. It's such a great mix. So there's a lot of people and a lot of people to talk about or maybe shout at. (laughs) Of those, which are the alpha and which are the omega? Wow. Well, you know... We, we might have said until recently that, of course, the alpha dogs in the industry are the big AAA, large 3D console games, massively multiplayer online 3D worlds, and all of these games that take years to make and, and dozens or hundreds of people or more. Um, and that the, the tail end of the industry are the little indies, the, the artsy games, the independent games, the games that are downloaded and not bought off a shelf, but... but. I knew it. I could tell with <laughs> yeah. that cadence, Eric. <laughs> I'm very predictable. Um, at the award ceremony last night, the Developers' Choice Awards, really, they, the, they're, sort of, they're supposed to be two awards, the Indie Awards and then the Choice Awards that are the mainstream awards. And I saw many tweets last night saying, oh, I guess the Indie Awards are taking up both hours tonight because Journey, a game that is a downloadable game that was uh, founded by a small group of students working with Sony, so technically not an indie game, mm-hmm. but certainly Indian spirit, experimental, unusual, and kind of a standard bearer for a lot of people working in independent games. One award, they swept the awards, sweeping away huge budget mainstream games like XCOM and Dishonored, which are themselves wonderful game titles, but I, I thought it was a, uh, it's kind of a turning point. So what you're, so what you're saying is... the. You think that the big game companies are still sort of leading the way and that the indie developers are really, really struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So uh, The opposite of that. Eric, uh, I think it was today is kind of the end of an era for one of your projects, right? Or was that yesterday? Uh, it w- today was the end of a, of a 10-year era. That, I'm really sad about this. I want you to, I want you to talk about this and justify your, uh, your reasoning for killing this. Well, I probably need to explain first. Yes. Uh, for the last 10 years at the Game Developers Conference, I've done a session called the Game Design Challenge, where I bring together three usually very well-known game developers, people like Will Wright, Warren Spector, Raph Koster. Today on stage were Jason Rohr, Richard Lamarchand, Will was there, um, Steve Moretzky, who began in early text adventures. Every year, three designers, I give them a weird, bizarre challenge. The challenges have ranged from everything like create a game using the poetry of Emily Dickinson, and a uh, well-known American poet, your audience may or may not be familiar with, uh, but fr- from the you know from the sort of the early days of the United States to create a game that includes uh, real-world permadeath, so the actual death of a human being somewhere in the game to to create to bigger than Jesus, create a game that's also a religion in some way. So very strange. Usually they riff off of trends in the industry. So I've done that every year for the last ten years and. Um, it's been fantastic. It's been amazing and inspiring for me to see these, really my heroes, these game designers go up and present their response, which usually is an actual a concept for a game, a proposal for a game. The audience votes on the winner, and then um, uh, they get some sort of stupid gag prizes that I put together. But So the thing is, to answer your question about why it's ending... Uh, the funny thing about the end of the industry is uh, uh, the current. I'm sorry. The, the end of the industry. <laughs> oh, no, Eric! No. Well, it's funny that I say that because the theme this year was actually humanity's final game. So it was design a game that 
that uh, would be the last game that humanity ever plays. Maybe the game would outlive humanity. Maybe the game would would just go on forever or, or even cause the extinction of our species. Who knew? They all had a different interpretation of it. But um, in 2004, when I did it for the first year, the game industry was just really different. Indie games was not in parlance. There was no um, uh, independent game festival. There was no baby castles. There were, you know, it just was a very, very different place. And the idea of doing weird experimental games, you know, was actually weird and experimental. Whereas today, we have indie games. We have people doing strange, unusual games. And I really, you know, the very first year, it was design a game that's also a love story. And it almost didn't get accepted. And I was told there was a big argument on the GDC advisory board. No one's making games that are love stories. Well, today in the, in the IGF, there's at least two games that have the word love in their title. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's just, I, I really think that we've arrived. There's no more need for it. And I am, I'm happy to have been a part of this kind of rise of experimentation and, and, uh, and games expanding from, you know, their, their roots in, in uh, adolescent power fantasies into everything. You know, what I said to the audience today was that, you know, that every game should be a game design challenge, that there's no reason why every game we produce shouldn't be weird and strange and experimental. So, Eric, you did a game design challenge around love in video games. That's and, correct. That was the that, very first one. And now, and now there is love in video games. So you made that happen. And now you've done a game design challenge about the extinction of humanity. I see where this is going. <laughs> Feeling guilty? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you um, the, winning, the winning entry was by the brilliant game designer Jason Rohr. Uh, they all presented and the audience voted actually by texting and tweeting. Uh, I'd set up a system to, to record their votes. And um, Jason Rohr's, what I loved about his entry this year was that it wasn't a concept for a game. He just made the game. And he wanted to make a game that would last for at least 2,000 years. He thought, okay, well, if maybe humanity is going to kill itself in 2,000. He wanted to make a game. So he, he designed a game. It was a board game, a physical game. Um, he, he, he had it play itself against a computer, uh, play itself and modify it. So no humans ever played this game, but he believes it's a playable, interesting game. He... He wrote out the rules all in a symbolic language so that if English is no longer spoken, it would be understood. He had it manufactured in titanium. He buried it in the Nevada desert. And he passed out in the, in the audience a, um, a series of like something like one million possible coordinates on these pages that each had 900 different possible locations where it might be in public land in the state of Nevada, which is this huge kind of desert-like state in the western part of the United States, and that's the California. And um, uh, it is... Uh, so the idea is that, okay, if people start searching for it now, in about 2,000 years, it, maybe it will eventually turn up. So, But it's actually out there, right? So it's like, uh, who, who, was the, uh, who was the crazy uh, British fellow who buried uh, a game... Uh, it, um, many years ago, kit kit uh, called Masquerade. It, it was it was uh, he had a book called Masquerade that had all these clues. Well, Jason's done something similar. There is a titanium game sitting somewhere in the Nevada desert. Can you tell us where it is now? I couldn't. I have no idea. Oh come on, Eric. Yeah, I, I honestly. <laughs> Eric, don't. you're amongst friends. I, I am amongst friends, and Jason Roar is the only person. He said that he <laughs> would like to die 
with the knowledge <laughs> that the game that 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 there's a mystery, right? That that yeah. that in the future someone will find this game. It was really it was really beautiful. And and you know the the thing about game design is that it's not really about coming up with concepts. It, it's about making games and the process of, of designing a game and, and working a concept. And so what I love about what Jason did and why I think that that he was a very deserving winner this year is that he didn't just propose an idea. He really made a game. He forged something out of titanium. Yeah, so exactly. I yeah. think he <laughs> really wanted it. It's almost cheating. Okay, there's a new Eric in town, and his name is George. That's correct. That's and me. George is wearing a smart scarf and a sweater with a neat old pattern. And I, I do want to point out uh, on, on, the, on the topic of this being an auditory medium that uh, people can't see that George's name uh, only has one E. It's missing the E at the end. That is when you have parents who can't afford the additional E. <laughs> That, yeah, thanks, Frank. Have you ever been called Gorg? Well, I have, because I, um, I was born in Austria, so they always have me called Georg for about 12, no, 17. I don't remember. Lo- long time. And then I went to the UK, and I always had to explain myself what my name actually means, why there's no E there. And then I said, just call me George. So, George. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you've been on the show before in London. I have, and it was but fun. But you haven't been on here. So can you tell these listeners who you are, what you do, and why you're here? Well, my name is George, without the E at the end. Mm-hmm. And I am a game developer, and I work for a small company called Hot Source in London that is uh, owned and co-founded by Jonathan Ross, who is a big UK TV show host and entertainer, comic book fan, comic book collector, video games enthusiast, and... Yeah, now mix games. Now, now, does Jonathan Ross like hot sauce a lot? Is that is that the implication here? I, I would I would think so. Have, I, have you never asked him? No, I thought you know I'll ask that obvious question like ten years later. 
You know, when you have when it's like the most be, awkward. It'll be the day yeah, yeah. you're retiring after a huge success. You'll be walking out the door and just flip off the lights and you turn back and you go, "Hey, Jonathan, by the way, do you like hot sauce?" And he'll just wink at you <laughs> and walk out. He probably say he will say no. He probably will say no. Get out of here. <laughs> Why do you mean that? He will say. What makes you think that? You're fired from your retirement. <laughs> Back to work. George, I, I want to ask you a question, but all I can think of is where is that titanium box buried? Yeah. <laughs> well, you could ask me where is that box buried. Mm. I would say... Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. George, where, where is Jason Rura's titanium box? Well, the coordinates are... <clears throat> Ross has just swooped in out of nowhere and crammed a hot sauce bottle down George's throat. No, Jonathan Ross is running towards the coordinates that that, that, that were in George's hands. What? Yeah. Jonathan Ross is now the sole owner of the Jason Rohr Titanium game. And he will play it in isolation for 2,000 years. You're listening to One Life Left, (laughs) a serious show about serious video games, broadcasting live from GDC 2013. Have you had a nice GDC, George? I had a brilliant GDC. I'm losing my voice like everyone else. and uh, Because I did a talk this year. So, uh, for the Narrative Summit, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Uh, what was the talk about? It yeah. was about creating immersive narrative experiences without spending lots, lots of money and big resources. Where did you look in the room while you were giving the talk? Uh, where did I look in the room? I looked everywhere. And so that people would feel... Included, engaged. included, engaged. Well, anybody the, weird? No, no, because I had some interesting technical things happening to me that made things a little bit easier. Because you know, when you do a sound check beforehand, you check your you know, everything gets checked so that it works and it looked fine. And then um, when the point came, the presentation when you need to play some sound, the audio guy at the back refused to turn up the volume. They're like, yeah, just do it, just do it. And then I know why because there was a country song speaker. Wait, like, so actually refuse? Like he crossed his no, arms in front of himself no, and like, shook his head. No, he was like, "Are you sure? Like, you know, like, are you sure I should?" And I was like, "Yeah, come on, it's it's uh, it's uh, you know, it's just a dialogue file that I want to play." And it turned out to be some song from my iTunes library, which is one of the most embarrassing songs I can remember. Was <laughs> playing out loud. What and was, the, what was the song? I can't remember. Oh, yes, you can. I you can't remember. You, you know exactly. You don't forget <laughs> a moment like that. I, oh yes, you do very quickly. <laughs> but I tell you something better. My mum. Right. Uh-huh. I, I left because what I did beforehand, I tried to reach my mum on Skype, as you do, you know, wish good luck and stuff. And, um, and um, I left her message and then I forgot to turn Skype off. So she popped online. However, just, just, uh, just on my screen, not on the other one. So we, she was like, tweet, uh, she was like, like uh, not tweeting me, that's the other medium. She was like, Skyping me, you know, I, are you free now? And I just shut down Skype very quickly. <laughs> so what uh, does your mom think you do? IT support. Wow. No, no, she doesn't. She doesn't. Oh. I don't know. No. Uh, well, she knows I make games, and uh, she, every year she tries to understand a little bit more about the medium. And every year she learns a little bit more, and every year, you know, we'll, she understands more. How do you uh, get her engaged in what you do? Well, actually, I don't have to do much because uh, she Googles, she stalks me on Google. Oh, mums. I know. So that, that's not a problem. It's adorable when they learn Google. <laughs> I know. It is. The problem is, it's not so adorable if they find things about you you didn't know that are on Google. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. When they oh, are. so if I search you right now. Oh, no, I think, no, no, I think, no. No, it, you can't get rid of that. 
<laughs> but we oh, yeah. can find out what the country song was. I'm going to oh, find the Kotaku report that says what the song was. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! No, there is none because I wasn't. No, it was. It was a small session, so it was only 25 minutes. It wasn't featured anywhere. Nobody's picked it up. I don't think. I'd like to know what kind of G's that you have deed in the past. Now you have to explain that. Uh, wit, what, he tried. What kind of games okay. have you developed? Oh, okay. Yes, good. See, that's. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to save time, and you ne- now. And I have I started back. So yeah. I've I worked on on. I used to be at Lionhead before, so I worked in Black and White, Fable, Fable One, Two, and Three for movies. And at Hot Souls, we just developed a game called Catcher Catcher Aliens that's been released on iOS in December. And just before it came on the show last time. We started secretly on the Android port. No, afterwards. After you guys, because one of you said... Are you said, sure it was afterwards? It was afterwards, are, I think. Are, are you sure it was I afterwards? I think it was afterwards. We talked and somebody, two of you said, ah, oh, we are Android users. Mm. And I said to myself, hmm... How can I monetize One Life Left? How can I monetize One Life Left? And I, well, and I said to Jonathan, we should do that Android thing. I know two people who have Android phones. I think we could make some cash out of this. And Jonathan Ross went for it. Well, yeah, he said, go go for it. Let's do this. Wow. What a guy. If Jonathan loves games so much, why isn't he at GDC? Why doesn't he marry them? (laughs) Out of GDC. (laughs) Sorry, I will ask him actually. Let me tweet, well, let me phone him. No, um, well, he. Do you has, have his number? Well, yeah. is it on your phone right now? He's looking. If you do, I, you I know his iPhone password. Just saw number. He will kill. I don't actually have it in this phone because it's my American phone. Ah. Ha! Um, he's doing his show, so he can't. Well, we're, we're doing, we're our, doing show. our show. Yeah, so, yeah but it's I mean, not really a very good you're, excuse, you're, you're, George. You're just much more flexible than he is. Oh, you know. that we are. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you're <I'll> very say. <laughs> good. <laughs> what, what kind of games do you loathe? I don't like games that have a lot of cutscenes. <laughs> How come? Fable had a lot of cutscenes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I don't like games that take themselves too seriously. Fable took itself seriously. We had some humor in there. <laughs> Twice. I, I just wanted to keep the chain. Oh, I see. Here. You did well. Thank Fable you. Fable did well. <laughs> I won't dispute this. Uh, what, what other games do I love? I, I like, actually, to be honest, I, I like most games. Is that all right? Lot yeah, that's no. fine. That no, tells me. Okay, well, I'm that sorry. Tells us something about you. You so, are a very accepting man. So, are you then uh, one of those people who is of the belief that uh, it is unnecessary to ever take the control away from the player <laughs> in order to tell a story? No. Okay, so there is a place for cutscenes. Yeah, and I think, for example, I like a really nice, good intro. You know, like setting the scene a little bit, sort of like, you know, get, getting you, yourself settled in. And also, if there's a natural break in there, you know, and you, 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 you basically tell something about something else in the game, or not about the main character that doesn't involve the main character, I'm cool with that, in a way. But as soon as you... as soon as, Well, the problem I have with cutscenes, you, you, you do all cool game mechanic stuff, you run around, do cool stuff, well, you know, shoot scenes, whatever, and then suddenly ha- this cutscene happens, and the, and the character does things he has never done before, mm-hmm. or things happen that, you know, where clearly they used a cutscene because it was easy to do as a cutscene, and you go like, I wanted to do this, not the cutscene, I wanted to do this, that annoys me, if yeah. it's a natural break, if it's like a, meanwhile, somewhere else, this happened, that's cool, because, you know, you wouldn't be able to show that. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and the opposite happens sometimes too, right? Where like uh, something will happen to make your character look like a wimp. And you're like, no, I could have gotten through that yeah. if I was <laughs> I in control. Have, yeah. I could have yeah. saved Earth from I that. could have <laughs> used B and Z and the right trigger, and it would have been no problem. Exactly. Yeah. I, that's the one I always keep thinking. Yeah. I the B, Z, white, right trigger yeah. move. Yeah. Are there yeah. any controllers that have a Z button anymore? Oh, we well, don't know yet, do we? I, I think, I was there a Z? Uh, uh, yeah, on the, the GameCube, we would have had that uh, move, right? Yeah. I think so. Oh, well, your subconscious is quite good, you know. It went like, there is a Z button. <laughs> That'd be a hard move to pull off on the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Real tricky. <laughs> but it, that's why it gets you out of those tough situations. Yeah, nobody yeah. said it was going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best It's the best one. I think it's, it, it, it shows unicorn tears or something, does it? I can't remember what it does. <laughs> yeah, the GameCube controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George. Yes. Can you tell us a secret? I'm out of secrets. I've given them all away, I think. That is not true. Can you make something up? I can't. Well, what do you want me to make up? What would you... What is secretly... What do you wish the GDC stood for? Oh, gin demolishing competition. (laughs) Oh, Good answer. Really good answer, actually. still gone. Eric's still gone. I miss Eric. I miss Eric. <laughs> You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. The hall is all but closed and there was a pigeon by the bin. <laughs> we believe it may have been Eric. <laughs> I think it was a free-to-play game developer. <laughs> that pigeon was into microtransactions. We're going to be thrown out of the hall very, very quickly. You see this uh, guy staring at us right here? Look at him. It's actually a really awkward moment. People seem to be converging on us in kind of an alarming way. So we're going to be thrown out very soon, so we should wrap up the show. But it would be, I think, a a good way to close by talking to Frank about things he's seen at the conference. Oh, yeah. Sure. Glad, happy to. Um, What have you seen at the conference? Well, uh, I haven't been on the expo floor yet, so I haven't done that. But I've I've been to a few talks. um, And instead of talking about the ones I've been to, I want to talk about the one that I'm upset that I missed. Um, one of my favorite things that we've done in recent years is we've done a series of what we call classic postmortems, mm. where we uh, get uh, a, a person or a group of people up on stage to talk about a really old game that they made and what they learned from it, and often you know what they can still learn from it. And uh, I'm happy that we got a semi-obscure one this year, which was a game called Crystal Castles. Do you guys even know this game? 
I know Crystal Castles. Yeah, we got the creator of Crystal Castles, which was an arcade game from like '84 or something. It's where you got to collect all the dots. Yes, you are. You you have a trackball. Remember those? And you are moving like this teddy bear in a wizard's hat around a castle to collect uh, red things while trees are trying to eat you. Okay. And uh, we got the creator of that game. His name is Franz Franz Lonzinger, I believe, uh, to give a postmortem of this obscure arcade game that no one remembers and I'm really I, like and, and, and you know I, I, it might sound kind of insulting when I say it that way but I, I like that mm. I, I like that we can remember the weird stuff sure um, so I missed that unfortunately <laughs> because I, I have this job to do we missed it too <laughs> but uh, I did go to a really cool talk this morning um, about running a smaller game development studio and keeping your employees motivated especially when things aren't going that well and the answer uh, typically from all the panelists minus one was pizza yeah so we had uh, Greg and uh, Patrick from Double Fine on this morning and uh-huh. they, were, they were discussing this were they discussing and, pizza? well yeah beer and food yeah. apparently because yeah. we were like flagging this morning quite badly we needed some motivation we were like guys let us know let us in on the secret Yeah, beer and food Beer and food. Yeah. Yeah, Which, the secret is that game developers are kind of lazy, and if you just give them food <laughs> in the office, they won't ever leave. Maybe just act a bit like a, a mum? Is that, <laughs> is that what we're saying? How do I you motivate so. a pigeon developer? <laughs> well, uh, is, is he gone? Yes. He must have gotten motivated somehow. He must have left to make more games. Um, maybe the security guard motivated him by chasing him out, is, is my guess. Cool. Will uh, that work with human game developers? Chasing them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, as opposed to giving them pizza, chasing them out well, of the maybe room. maybe chasing them in. Chasing them into yeah. the office if they Keeping try to leave. The that could work. <laughs> Have you noticed any themes around GDC this year? The, I mean, we talked about this about two times now in this broadcast, but I will bring it up again. The theme that I am noticing this year is that there is no indie anymore. Mm. Like, you know, we, we, we used to talk about independent games like it was this, you know, counterculture punk rock movement. And it's that they're just games now. Um, we're, we're seeing these weird experimental art games that are funded by Sony on the PlayStation. And that's it's we've never been in an era like this. And, and, and I think it's, you know, we've seen it for the last year or two, but I think it's really solidified this year, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the award show, like we've talked about previously. So that's that's what I'm hearing from everybody that I speak to as well. That's just that's what's in the air this year. So if you don't like indie games watch out bub yeah <laughs> enjoy your shooty man games where you shoot guys yeah 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 have fun with yeah. that we're, we're gonna learn to love so and hug don't forget the hugging <laughs> never forget the hugging for goodness sake well the hug leads to the loving who thinks george has a very soothing voice i do that uh, yep yeah i, I want to keep that one now if that's soothing i'm going to keep this yeah. voice you're gonna have to keep drinking then I will. So we. So shall we all. <laughs> We've got to say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, We're about guys. To get kicked out. Goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. It's been lovely broadcasting to you all, and we'll be back for one final show tomorrow on the final day of GDC. Perhaps ever, if Eric Zimmerman's plan. Oh my God. Comes to fruition. Uh, but we will speak to you very, very soon. For now, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.